What do you think the Korean dub for uh, Yandu sounds like? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the vengeful and vindicated of all ages. Welcome to Beyond Vengeance, a show where fellow like-minded film bros have assembled to discuss, review, theorize, and wax intellectual over any and all things related to the works of Park Chan-wook. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host and fellow Avenging Angel of Justice, Travis, to discuss the 2005 Korean psychological thriller, Lady Vengeance, Park Chan-wook's final installment in the loosely connected Vengeance trilogy. With the three films, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and Lady Vengeance, although not narratively connected, all three deal with themes of revenge, ethics, violence, and salvation in different ways, both structurally and artistically. Now, Park Chan Book is a filmmaker I deeply adore. His newest film, Decision to Leave, was one of my favorite films last year. Uh, you can listen in to our special Beyonder Award special to find out if it did crack either of our top five lists up. But this sympathy for Lady Vengeance, as it's sometimes called, I had a lot of confusion trying to figure it out. Yeah, there is an alternate title. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this was a film that I had never watched until this week. And one of the reasons I had never watched this, I think, was due to the intense guttural punch and nihilistic gloom that I seemed to feel after watching the first two installments. They're movies that I seriously love. But revisiting them is a daunting ask, considering just how awfully feel bad they leave the audience once they're wrapped up. Now, with that being said, Travis, I somehow made it through this movie twice today. And while I find it equally as effective, harrowing, intense, and brutal as Old Boy and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, there is a more innate kind of cinematic element here. And this one feels more cheerful and optimistic. Do you, does for yes. a movie well, this severe, does that make sense? Absolutely. Especially like old oh boy. I sometimes forget whenever I'm showing it to someone what kind of ending it has. <laughs> so at the end, whenever they live happily ever after or whatever, and it's fucking not really a happily ever after situation, I uh yeah, I find it amusing, but then it's also kind of awkward. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, that the majority of our listeners' Pornhub history might say otherwise as how they feel about. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will never forget how, you know, my my wife. We were going through some movies and scratching some things off both of our bucket lists, right? And and old boy is kind of. A lot of us, myself included here in America, in the United States, particularly in the Western world, our introduction to Korean cinema. It was the first one that really blew up. 
A lot mm-hmm. of people talk about it. There was an American remake by one of the most acclaimed filmmakers of uh, the modern generation, who is Spike yeah. Lee, one of my all-time favorite filmmakers. Not a great movie. Um, <laughs> doesn't need to exist, but whatever. It seems yeah. like a paycheck for Spike Lee, and he had a little bit of fun. But when we were going through Old Boy and we get to the end, I remember turning over to her on the couch and she was in like a fetal position, kind of like sweating and crying. And I knew what to expect. And you always tell people like the end of this movie is rough. Like it, it's a well, rough, rough twist. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say for me, it's the twist that uh, that's what I'm showing for someone new. That's the thing I'm eager for, where uh, they will probably catch me staring at them. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seeing how quickly they piece together what's going on. And then I forget, like I said, about how it ends and how it's, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it is, is, again, it's, it's doesn't have any, any positive um, outcome for anyone in the film. And, and none of the vengeance is fulfilling in the way that they, the characters, the protagonists of these movies, the first two mm-hmm. want it to be. There's no, um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel once they get their vengeance, you know, yeah. it's kind of like the sick, uh, secular nature of violence. Sorry, I couldn't get that fucking <laughs> word out. Um, you know, it's something that you seek and you think, you know, I'll get redemption or, or justice or whatever it is through these for, acts of violence. Yes. For comparison, spoilers for all of these movies, by the way. I, uh, we always have spoilers right from the beginning, but just mm-hmm. in case. Uh, with this movie, do you feel it's pro death penalty? I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of it feels that way, and it's funny that it is, and that it's the feel good one of the month. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that kind of like got me with this movie is the first two. And yeah, I do feel like this is kind of like eye for an eye is justifiable. Like there's a giant In group. Some scenarios, of people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not all of them. We don't know if all of the people who get vengeance at the end of the day, because we find out it's not just our, our hero, anti-hero mm-hmm. lady vengeance, getting vengeance on the people who did her wrong. Um, it's, it's like a whole group of people, but the first two installments, it's like wrongdoing upon them. Like old boy, this guy was locked in a room for fucking yes. a decade. You know what I mean? The the first one, like something happened to him. And this one, yeah, she 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 was forced to like go into prison and all of this stuff, but trauma was done to others. She wasn't just yes. seeking vengeance for herself, she was seeking vengeance as like almost like kind of like an act of um of forgiveness yeah yeah and it's completely uh innocent in this one it uh and in throughout the movie she never tries to downplay her part in it kind of uh a hundred percent like she had a hand in these terrible actions and she's almost looking for um what do they call that? What are the Catholic? Uh, it's almost like her confession. You know what I yes. mean? Like, she, uh, like she's penance, redemption, something along those lines. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I sent it to you halfway through the day while I was watching it, like making like this chart. And I wrote the three names of the movies down. I wrote sympathy, 
old boy and lady vengeance. And then I drew a little line other under it. And I wrote sympathy for Mr. Vengeance has a lot of realism. That is the tone of that movie. We just did a mm-hmm. podcast on Nicholas uh, winding Refn. We're talking about the pusher movies a lot. That is sometimes a case with the filmmakers earlier, lower budget work. There is yes. this level of realism there, right? Old boy that we were joking before we started recording that movie's like almost slapstick silly at some points. Yeah. yeah it, it's kind of funny how much the sense of humor translates in that movie, like even down to some of the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some physical gags of just guys getting knocked down three stooges style in that movie. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So old boy, I wrote absurdism right under there in terms of like tone lady vengeance. I wrote, surrealism slash cinematic mm-hmm. and you could tell this was made by a more developed filmmaker who's also reflecting and and borderline self-aware parodying what he did in the first two films like now with a sharper hand and 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 more tools in his tool belt and, and more money behind him mm-hmm. and then i was talking about like the motives in all of these movies and sympathy, again, the, the more realistic one, the motivation there is anger. This guy is pissed. That that guy is mad the whole fucking movie. And and it's a young man, an angry young man. And we've seen that in a lot of uh, Western um, revenge Paul films. Paul Schrader films, yes. No. <laughs> Paul Schrader movies, things that we yeah, really like is. in this podcast as angry white guys, yes. <laughs> Which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, yeah, but Paul Schrader movies like Taxi Driver, First Reformed. We were talking about King of Comedy before we went. On. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, old boy, um, he's seeking a sense of freedom in that one. Like that movie is about a man who is like stuck in captivity for reasons beyond him, and he's looking for a sense of freedom and um, and individualism, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the whole point of Lady Vengeance is almost like a path to salvation. Like she had done some wrong. It ultimately catapulted into this web of horrible shit going on. She takes the fault. And by the time that she's released and ready and on her path of vengeance, she's not just trying to right the wrong she did. She's also trying to right the wrongs that have occurred to other people uh, mm-hmm. at her um, at her behest. Right. And, and there is this kind of like path to the divine throughout the entire thing mm-hmm. and, and, and path to like purity throughout this entire thing. They keep showing. She, uh, she literally the- has a halo at one point in, in Washington <laughs> prison. It's not subtle. Oh uh, yeah. I love the visual flair of this movie. And yeah, that's just one little component. I'm very glad you watched this movie twice and both versions of the film. Uh, yeah, I, that yeah. was interesting too. So there are two versions of this movie that I didn't know until I realized I was watching it on two separate providers today yeah. where the original version, uh, the color palette in this thing is fucking gorgeous, right? Yes, yes. Uh, that is very striking right from the get-go. I think it's a bit more visually pleasing overall movie than Old Boy or Mr. Benjamin's. 
Yeah. Just for me. Revenge is very handheld. Old boy, we were joking. Uh, feels like he. Yeah, he found he found out what David Fincher was doing and saw the Wachowskis made a movie that looked like it was made of duck shit green kind of yes. color. Yeah, palette. Yeah, that green filter or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have geese by you. You ever see like geese <laughs> shit on the ground? It kind of looks like geese shit. Mm-hmm. Um. But I mean, seven had that filter. Panic Room had that fucking filter. You know what yeah. I mean? Those late nineties, early two thousand. Uh, Fight Club is the big one. Yeah. Um, and then um, this movie, this really refined, rich color palette, and the original version apparently it's all color. And I didn't know that until I was watching it this afternoon on my second rewatch because the first time I watched it it started getting more and more desaturated throughout the entire thing that by the time it ended, it was just straight up a black and white movie. Yes. Yes. And I kind of dig that too. Like <laughs> which one did you watch today? Uh, I watched the fade to white version is what to the, uh, when it fades to black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer the color version. like color, uh, but most have their merits and it's a, uh, a thematic choice where the uh when I first watched it it did not have a direct commentary so I assumed that it was going to be uh about everything losing its luster as you gain your revenge. It's what I thought the color loss represented. But I guess it's purity and redemption. Uh yeah, like it, it gets down to that pure essence, right? And mm-hmm. I I mean there's you're reading some of this uh 80s question run right let's talk about yes. some comic books we're a comic book <laughs> podcast right um you know the question also loosely based on steve dicko's character mr a right um also uh rorschach uh it's in the watch based on the question yeah, yeah. it's based on the question yeah it's that kind of circle uh steve dicko was a very staunch uh objectionist kind of an asshole right into the mm-hmm. ayn rand thing um there's there's black and there's white there is no gray there's nothing definitive there's purity and there is evil Mm -hmm. uh there is sin and there is salvation right um i would have never looked at it like that unless you know the director's commentary told you and then you told me because i thought it was like he he made a call back to the one of the first scenes in the movie when she gets out of prison and there's tohu there and it's white represents purity or whatnot and i I don't think it fully works because he also talks about how it starts snowing whenever she becomes pure, but see, it's still mm. a few times in the movie a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's always doing something pretty violent in some of them, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I took it as, you know, it's almost like this whole journey has, like, kind of sucked the life out of her until mm-hmm. the very end a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it does also have a really kind of hopeful ending. Um, we both watched decision to leave last year and it didn't make it into any of our, either of our top five films when we were doing our, our mm-hmm. episode on our favorite films of uh, 2022. It's a movie we both liked. I, I liked quite a bit. Um, I love Alfred Hitchcock and I like that. It felt like his kind of version of an Alfred Hitchcock detective story. Yeah. Um, 
but it was a very confusing movie because it's not told in a linear fashion and it's in a different language so it, it again like a different language than i speak it's not like i'm a dumbass i could read fucking subtitles yeah yeah I but mean, if you're not familiar with like names and things like that it's hard to keep up with uh, learning a name that you've never heard before in your fucking life yeah and it's harder for those like kind of quick fucking paced film sometimes mm-hmm. when you have those subtitles to like stay up with it um but that movie played with structure and time in a really interesting way where i thought when i watched this a second time and i kind of had the general premise i know beginning middle end stuff yeah what all the cutting means and why it was dissected and put together that way uh, I'll, I'll get a lot more out of this story and I'll find it more compelling because it was yeah. done for so much purpose. It's kind of done told via interlude. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this movie, Lady Vengeance, is kind of felt like his trial run for what he eventually kind of perfected, I think, in Decision to Leave, where just structurally, um, like if we were to talk about the plot of this movie, Travis, it would take like, just you know basic plot it would take like yeah. four or five sentences right it, it, yeah, yeah. It, simple kind of not boring but 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 very basic kind of plot like no no the, the thing that takes the time in the movie is the introduction of all the characters that that uh Gunja, the main character meets in prison the friends and uh uses for her vengeance yeah and it's not told like we we it doesn't start with her doing the deed that got her into the prison and then her time spent in prison the people she met and then she gets released and then she goes and finds those people and they help her with this it's uh what do the french call it travis in media res right in the middle of things um to a like to the 10th degree though you know what i mean there's so much cutting in this fucking flick um we were going over the oscar nominations and i am surprised decision to leave did not get an editing nomination or cinematography nomination ah yeah that is pretty surprising like i didn't love the movie as much as you uh i was extremely impressed with the cinematography though uh yeah and same thing here like it if we were to watch the progression of Park Chan Wook's uh, feature films, mm-hmm. this is kind of like the height of his ability behind the camera, right? This, in Lady Vengeance, um, up until that point, like, yes, this yes. thing is so exquisitely shot. Like, he plays with style and form uh, the way, like, a fucking masterful filmmaker would, right? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Do you think that this movie would like if an american movie was made like this do you think it would scare audiences or do you think it would be the new pulp fiction <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no way to know there's yeah yeah um I, I like how none of the characters in and every time we say vengeance trilogy it's not a trilogy none of the characters no, are repeating it's a dramatic right? trilogy that's it and some of the actors recur uh yeah I, I i saw a thing today where it was never intended to be that way like he made mr vengeance <laughs> and then was doing an interview for old boy and like got the idea in the middle of an interview you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but 
in each of the installments, the protagonist and really none of the characters are depicted as like inherently evil. You know what I mean? Um, like the kind of conventional structure of a Western revenge film most of the mm-hmm. time requires like a very likable or like civilized protagonist uh, going against an equally distasteful antagonist, yes. you know, when it allows the audience to identify like, this is who I root for and this is who I root against. This is my white hat. This is my black hat. It's, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Black hat directed by Michael Mann. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I understand that. Um, but these movies really steer clear from that path because even in this movie, the one that we're saying is the most hopeful, the main character is kind of a dirtbag. Yeah. In a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, she gets mixed up with the main scumbag because she was kidnapping a child for ransom money. So it's. Yeah. Because yeah. she got knocked up like partying and was scared to tell her parents or some shit. Like. Yeah. Well, that and the, uh, the boy that uh, knocked her up. She didn't feel was ready to be a father, so yeah. she hooks up with her a teacher, I guess. Exactly. Not a very likable protagonist from the start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and another genre trope uh, structurally that, that uh, Park John Wook fucks with pretty heavily here is um, in the majority of revenge film narratives, we're going to spend most of the first... M- we're going to spend most of it like they're divided into three acts. In my opinion, the first act is get to know who these fucking people are and, mm-hmm. and get your bearings straight. The second act planning out the revenge, the third act enacting that revenge. Right. And then you get your coda. Um, most of the revenge movies, uh, they'll focus on act two, which is them plotting the revenge, figuring everything out, all of that. This, this spends the majority of its time getting to know this fucking yeah lady. yeah uh the revenge is never explained to the viewer in any great detail or like how she was there's no explanation for it she, they just they're breadcrumbs throughout the uh, the first act uh where the uh, the north korean spy lady that she helps gives her a a religious text that has a, a blueprint for a gun a very yeah. fancy gun, and uh, that made me think. I don't know if it's same in Korea, but like when I go to prison, a religious text is one of the only things you can keep with you. So that's where you write all your important information in there. And people, oh have, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have uh, uh, been going to get released from prison, and then a guard will search their Bible and find uh how to cook meth or whatever in there and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they get violated and drop drunk and have to go back and do mm-hmm. more time mm-hmm. occasionally. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Yes. Secret recipes for uh for meth and like potato yeah. vodka and this, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yes North Korean spy was at least smart enough to not put it all on the same page. It was yeah, yeah, this gun is pretty fucking gangster looking. It reminded me of the Hellboy Good Samaritan kind of, you know what I mean? Where yeah, it's just like yeah, a yeah. bucket. It, I don't know if anyone's ever used a gun like this in real life. I don't, <laughs> but yes, yes, it's uh, it's beautiful. I right? think should be apparently. Yeah, um, yeah. The again, we were talking about how, or I was talking about like the 
the kind of Western genre tropes of these revenge movies, um, you know, we are meant to like our protagonist and we are going to be rooting for our protagonist. And it's not that we don't, we're not, it's not that we're not along for the ride with this lady. Right. No, no. It's just, we, we don't know at the beginning whether we should be probably, yeah. I know she's in there for murder, but it can always be like, Oh, wrongly convicted. And it's not quite that. Yes. And, um, we don't necessarily know what she's up to either. Right. No, no. Yeah. And everybody knows that there's uh, another villain on the way. <laughs> until like the last 20 minutes, really. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's pretty gnarly. Um, I'd say 45 because the last 30, yeah. they spend a lot of time on, on the vengeance. Yeah. And, <laughs> and negotiating it. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of sympathy there. Um, no, with that guy, no. uh, despite, uh, the title. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's just interesting, and it, it reminds me more of things that guys like uh, like Hitchcock would would theorize about, like what they would how they would want to execute these kinds of things. You know what I mean? Like guys like Hitchcock kind of like wrote the book on suspense and genre mm-hmm. and, and thriller and things like that, and and it's kind of the evolution of of movies like Rear Window. And movies almost like Psycho. You know what I mean? Psycho, you're following a character for almost an hour before they get, we're introduced to a new antagonist and the rest of the movie is about this guy in a house and the person's sister. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Um, There's a lot of like breadcrumbs move along the trail. Here we are now. Holy shit. How did we get here? And you realize you're getting here through like all of these jump cuts. Um, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's really fucking interesting, man. Um, the movie starts right off the bat with this girl, um, Gunja. I hope I am saying that right. Am I saying that right? I have Gunja? no idea. I have no I idea. I, uh... All right. Should we call her right. Lady Vengeance? Should we call her Lady yeah, Vengeance? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Lady or Vengeance. vengeance. Like, uh, that Batman, right? It's like, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is Vengeance. He is the knight. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Knight returns or rises, one or the other. Um, the sun also rises, I heard. Uh, smart guy wrote about it once. Um, yeah, yeah. She's getting out of prison and she's met by this like Christian group dressed as Santa Clauses. And Korean Santa Clauses are hilarious. And I never thought about Korean Santa Clauses as much as I have today. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it made me very happy to think about. Um, and the Korean Santas greet her with a lump of white tofu saying, like, this is a tradition when you're reformed. We are going to give you this lump of tofu because it's as pure as your soul will be. And it's like, a, you know, a metaphor for how you'll never sin again. And she she tells them to screw off, <laughs> which is pretty yeah. good. yeah. yeah. Yeah, more yeah. crime to do, basically. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one visual thing that I don't know if this is what they were intending or not, but whenever uh, she's released, you can see the outside the shot, and the prison itself is very uh, singular in color, whatnot. And, but then there's another building right next to it that's uh, like a beautiful mural, and prison is very one color, <laughs> very like gray or brown. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Whenever summons have done a lot of time, when they get out, that's one of the things they have to get used to again is all of the color. Yeah, that that mural was nuts because for a second I was like, is this thing painted on the side of a prison? Like, did a boy yeah, scout troop do I this? I wasn't yeah. sure either. Like, I didn't know if that's part of the prison or if this is just <laughs> if they're doing something here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think painted by Troop Three Thirty Three or something <laughs> like. That. <laughs> yeah, uh, we find out that this girl has been in prison for murdering a child, and upon her arrest, she became this kind of media sensation because she was so young and hot and innocent looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sensationalized by the media. Like, how could this beautiful young girl fucking? smother a child with a pillow yeah yeah um there is like one person saying like the rights for the film have already been obtained (laughs) blah 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 um this whole bit reminded me a lot about of of natural born killers basically um and like the whole idea yeah 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 and the way that uh, i mean i've been watching a lot of uh like YouTube documentaries on like Al Capone and like the Cray brothers and shit like that. And John Dillinger. And even back then, like, Oh, we watched Jesse James. We watched that Jesse James movie recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the media does have the tendency to do that. And like intentionally or not kind of put these people up onto a pedestal where they become uh, almost like folk heroes to a certain extent. Uh, Japan has one of the worst examples of it. I think the, uh, S.A. Sagawa uh, killed a woman and ate her flesh, got out of a technicality, like, he was in France, uh, was extradited to Japan on the condition that he'd be kept in an insane asylum for the rest of his life. Didn't Jeez. happen. Got to be in movies after, was a celebrity for the rest of his life, kind of. Talked about how he would like to do it again. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, is this guy still like out and about in the world? He's dead now, but yeah, I he has an IMDb page, I'm sure, because he's been <laughs> in a handful of movies. Well, and people are like kink shame and army hammer into just wanting to nibble on his partner. He's just a pretend cannibal. It's yeah, 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 better actor than that guy, I bet. <laughs> yeah, much hotter, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, that's definitely the case. Uh, just, uh Japanese fellows. Not very attractive, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's fucked up, man? Like, if you, like, Instagram hashtag or Twitter hashtag search, like, Jeffrey Dahmer and then, like, Halloween, I guarantee oh, yeah. you'll see, like, Jeffrey Dahmer cosplay going around for Halloween, like, people dressed up like a fucking serial killer who actually killed and ate people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that that's a crazy yeah, we, thing. We have a complicated relationship as a, a species with murderers and uh that whole process, I think. Yeah, I know. I mean I used to. I, I had to get the I mean, swastika removed from my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> Big Manson fan, yeah. Big Manson guy over here, yeah. Uh, yeah, I told them I wanted a Manson tattoo. They gave me the swastika on my head and not the not the <laughs> Marilyn Manson tattoo that I asked for, but honest mistake. Honest mistake. Honest mistake, I understand. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have eaten all that Xanax before showing up at the tattoo parlor. It was on me. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah. So like um while this girl's in jail 
and all this media hype is going on. Um, she meets with the priest or some sort of pastor <laughs> or something along those lines. Uh, uh, yeah, like is this guy trying to to stop her? You know what I mean? Like, to, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that's the way they introduce him is that he's he saw her on TV, saw that she was beautiful, and then uh, being a single guy, thought that uh, fucking. <laughs> Writing inmates was a good idea, probably for him in this instance. Mm-hmm. That's how I got my stepmom. So whatever, you yeah. know. <laughs> whatever works, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, because there is this kind of creepy element to how the majority of men in this movie are kind of looking at this woman as like an object, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or just nothing more than a pretty face. Like we'll get to the baker shop thing, but it's like the same shit, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. Well, I think everyone in the movie kind of just talks about how beautiful she is, kind of. Even yeah. the uh, the prison rapist lady, she's a little too skinny for her tape. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So while she's in jail, she meets this uh, the Stuppen, uh pastor, who befriends her and helps her become reformed essentially right she becomes this uh inspirational kind of model for prisoner reform during her incarceration and has this like borderline comedic spiritual transition like that whole like it's right in front of me what is she you know what i'm talking about she has that one line where she's like giving some dialogue like on a podium and she like looks up at the directly at the camera yeah yeah uh, it wasn't for earlier release either. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, she was just like her exit speech, I guess. So I don't. It it was wild. Yeah, it was wild. Um, but then we find out that like once she's out, she's on a path for revenge, and she starts meeting up with other fellow prisoners who are now out mm-hmm. free women, um, to act out a plan to murder the man that killed the kid uh, that she was framed for and, and what she was put into to, to prison for. Right. Yeah. Um, she has this amazing dream sequence, apparently controversial dream sequence that you told yeah, me I some people don't like, don't like it. Yeah. 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 And it, it's really stark black and white. I was joking that like Zack Schneider probably masturbates to this kind of scene. Uh, where she's like dragging a toy dog with the face of a man on it through the snow and she takes out her big ass gun and blasts its fucking brains out while yep. while smiling it's uh yeah yeah i guess uh i don't really recall the reason my friends don't like it but i uh they may because of the effects are a little weird looking but it's a little janky yeah 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 i mean it's kind of that um surrealism can be off-putting to anybody who's not prepared for it right mm-hmm. so yeah, if yeah, you were expecting like i want to say old boy just had the ant on the subway that was the, the weirdest guy yeah it, it, it's like we were talking about reffin last week mm-hmm. and i remember you know that summer fast five came out and you know I fucking like Fast Five. I went to the movies. I saw that stupid <laughs> movie a couple times. I really like that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then Drive came out, and I was worshiping Drive and Refn and everything in that movie. 
And I would take some of my friends who I you know, saw Fast Five with, and I was like, yo, this movie's intense. It's so hardcore. And then whenever it got weird, I would watch the life of their face get sucked dry. And they're like, dude, you can't take me to this kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you tricked me into going to this art house movie, you know? Um, and maybe there is a little bit in, in some of these sequences, you know, these kind of dreamlike sequences. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some um, of it would be a, a staple for him later, I think. Uh, yes. Like there's, a, there's a bit uh, with one of the inmates where she's fantasizing about murdering her pimp uh, and see her strangling him in the prison. <laughs> uh, that is very similar to his vampire film. There's there's a, a love triangle and uh, a uh, murder that occurs and they're haunted by it. Uh, now, do you... Do you like Thirst? Is that a movie that you'd recommend? Yes. Yeah, it is very long, a little slow to begin. Yeah, really well-made movie. Fantastic looking. One of my favorite vampire movies, kind of. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, it's... I think... I haven't read the book. It's uh, it's based on a French novel that's, I think, just about a love triangle. I don't think there are vampires in it. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, to that bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just a minor, minor change, but yeah. yeah. Let me make this a little more interesting. I'll put some monsters in it. Yeah. There's some, like, Um, nice superhero strength in it and everything, so it kind of covers a lot of bases for me. It's, um... uh, That's what I was kind of getting at, too. Like, it should be said that if you're used to Hollywood and Western films and you go into a Korean or Japanese film and one of your film friends says, hey, it's violent, like, you should be prepared for (laughs) the kind of level of violence that it actually is. It's kind of on another level of, like, viscera uh, that we don't always get as uh, Western audiences. Not from a Um, mainstream film. Uh, not at all you know you were talking about that that dream sequence uh in the prison with the mm-hmm. the woman strangling her pimp and, and there is a brief interlude she's one of the the people who um she's going to meet outside to help enact the revenge plot right mm-hmm. and they do this little jump back showing them meeting one another within the prison and when they meet up outside now that they're reformed there's this like incredible shot. It almost looks like it's being filmed from the back of a mirror. And then it turns into the door of the room where all the inmates are. Yeah. 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 Holy shit. That's a flex and a half, huh? Especially period. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, I didn't put that in my notes, but I definitely took note of it. Uh, mentally at least. Uh, yeah. There, there's just a couple like stylistic flourishes here. And again, one of the things that we're kind of, Second, Chuck Ben Wook's uh, proverbial uh, cinematic cockover is his ability to edit and and structure these things. Mm-hmm. So to have the hard cut be from a mirror shot behind the door, and then have the door be another fucking room, and then it turns around and the actresses are at a different age, and you're like, oh, we're in a different scene now. That's crazy, yeah, you know. Very nice transition. Uh, this is also the sequence where the uh the former prostitute meets uh lady vengeance and mm-hmm. she's in the corner of a room by herself looking in a mirror with a halo around her face um <laughs> lighting up the room like literally lighting up the room a saint yes mm-hmm. which is uh an incredible thing um 
in the present day, this was a, a sequence that kind of fucked me up the first time I was watching it earlier. Um, Lady Vengeance wants to apologize to the boy's parents, the boy who was killed. So she goes to their home and shows up with a butcher knife, basically, and starts cutting her fucking fingers off. Um, like Yakuza style, right? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, Yakuza yeah, that's do? one of the things they do. Yeah, yeah, or... Uh... Uh, if you're rowing with your your good friend. Oh, really? Uh, if we were rowing, we'd do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Kill a donkey, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do not take too kindly about her cutting her fingers off. They're like, this is a little yeah. too hardcore, you know? Um, <laughs> we, we recognize that you're sorry, but please stop maiming yourself in our home. This is a lot of yeah. Yeah, they even help her get to the hospital and and get the fingers reattached. She doesn't lose them for good. Uh, However, apparently they don't have universal health care in South Korea either. And uh, she spends all of her money on the operation to be uh, to get herself back to normal and get her fingers back on. And because she spent all the money, she has to make ends meet by getting a job at a bakery, working with these uh, real two creepy dudes. yeah. What do you think about the introduction of the young creepy dude uh, dropping the pallets and shit? It's very silly. Uh, like some of the acting in this is uh, exaggerated a bit, but not not pure camp or anything. I don't think it's just a style choice. Again, borderline slapstick. Like, yeah, that part definitely is. Yeah, yeah, like that's a. Uh, Buster Keaton kind of gag you know what I mean like uh, or you know like the cartoon wolf whose like eyes pop out of his head yeah. like a Ruga yeah. Ruga yeah. well, kind of there's one spot earlier in the film that made me laugh uh, I'm curious to see if you noticed it too uh, the short haired lady uh, she's talking to her and, and our main character spins around in a chair and has a cigarette in her mouth and uh-huh. I don't think it was there previously but they they don't really show her show you her mouth i just like to imagine that it materialized yeah yeah <laughs> she's got the midas touch in prison she just like spits out cigarettes you know yeah, what I mean? yeah there's a japanese movie i like uh it's called yukuza weapon and that's one of the running gags and it is he'll reach off camera and pull a cigarette out. that's incredible yeah yeah it's good, a very good sk- movie amazing good skill to have though especially mm. in prison is to always have a, have a, a heater nearby, you know, <laughs> um, it'll be very popular, especially now that they're stricter on tobacco. Huh? Yeah. It was just so lame. But what I, I liked seeing all the smoking indoors in this movie. It took me back a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you still uh, smoke inside in Arkansas? Uh, I don't know. I don't smoke. Uh, I've never <sighs> been a, a smoker. Oh, I started smoking when I was five years old. <laughs> and, uh, I I tried picking it up way back, you know, like, like eight, uh, and I just never developed a taste for it. Yeah, yeah. I I have since stopped. Uh, if you ever hear me making the stupid inhaling noise on this show, it's because I'm constantly chain smoking nicotine at all times. I I like need it in in my bloodstream like at all times. I actually rigged up like a thing to hold a vape inhaler on my bed so i don't have to use my arms when i sleep i can just turn my head and i have this little thing it used to pull the cell phone i saw in a light i swear to god and, and i just kind of like took the selfie stick part off and like yeah. shrunk it down like with a 
like a drill and now it like fits like a vape perfectly. So I, I don't have to go reach for it, but, um, yeah, you can't smoke anywhere indoors in New York anymore. And it's kind of even frowned upon like outdoors in certain areas. Um, and, um, when I was a kid, there was always like smoking section, non-smoking section, yeah. you know what I mean? And I, I lived in those fish bowls basically, you know, they, cause they look like little fish tanks just like covered in smoke, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I sometimes I'll be in a movie theater and I don't even smoke cigarettes anymore. I was like, man, I wish I could be just smoking a cigarette watching this movie, watching well, Transformers the last night. A ton of movies either. Right? Yeah, yeah, you don't even with yeah. period pieces and stuff like that. It, uh... mm-hmm. When um when we did our Avatar: The Way of Water uh episode, um you know I went back and watched the first Avatar and there's scenes where like Sigourney Weaver's like smoking butts like in a lab in space and i'm just like lab smoking you know what i mean like count me in you know (laughs) especially like with the big lady like sigaruni at the helm like Mm -hmm. whoo that looks cool you know that's the reason why i started you know secrets do watch give them that 100 (laughs) percent. all right you convinced me i'm gonna start up again um i'm not saying that no it's yeah yeah, yeah. Leave some oh, thank for you. others. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll I'll sell cigarettes to kids. Well, I mean, with them. your your vape rig, it would be a downgrade. It <laughs> it would be, yeah. It's not just like a vape rig. It's like it's like these disposable ones. And and look, I have like an army of them, like within arm's reach. And I have a shoe box that I call the ashtray, which mm-hmm. is where I put like all the half kicked ones. Like and, and it's just kind of like a collection of like half kicked, like shitty flavors um yeah (laughs) for anyone interested um so one of the former prisoners this is my favorite of the former prisoners that she goes to meet up with this is one who we got a little flashback she gave a kidney to during an operation while in prison um this chick has a has a boyfriend who's also a criminal and her boyfriend's like some sort of blacksmith or tradesman who she gives the design from the back of the the religious text mm-hmm. uh, of the North Korean spy gun, and he's the one who's pretty much tasked to build this thing. Um, but this couple fucking rips. There's this flashback to them like performing a bank heist with this crazy ski mask on. Mm-hmm. It's awesome, dude. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, Remind me of Pulp Fiction just a little bit with the. Uh... Oh, I can never remember the names. The, the Honey Robert Bunny and, and uh, yes. Tim Roth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's really nothing beyond it beyond them being uh, a couple of robbers or whatever, but uh, yeah. Well, they have like pay- playful, loving banter with one each one another. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're being really cute while performing these really visual, mm-hmm. impactful acts of violence, <laughs> you know? And there was a minute because there's a flashback to the bank heist where you get this fucking hot Korean chick, like with a ski mask on and like her big buff boyfriend, like standing on a bank teller table with a shotgun. And I'm like, oh, it's going to turn into this kind of movie now. Like for a second, I was like, I knew it wasn't going to turn into heat, but I was like, please turn into point break. You know what I mean? Like, like, is this going to turn into point break for a minute? Like, I'm going to be stoked. Um. Yeah, I, I really did like this couple. And I liked the sequence. This is another thing, like, Decision to Leave did a lot of, uh, where Park Chan-wook always has these scenes of people, like, 
putting paper onto walls and like staring at them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's kind of like a visual motif he's got yeah. going on. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking neat. Um Yeah, so while she's working at this bakery one day, uh the detective who was working her case on the child murder yeah. uh shows up and she comes into contact with this guy and we get a couple more flashbacks where during the interrogation and and the case he did not believe that this woman did it because her story wasn't lining up with the actual events that occurred mm-hmm. but she uh, was just so so insistent yeah yeah uh he had to have realized at a certain point that there was a reason that she was forcing herself to take the fall uh even helps her at one point when she's reenacting the murder for the the reporter that comes later in the film. But oh, that's not at this point. Yeah, they're no, they're having they, them reenact it. Yeah, they have her do it twice in the movie. Uh, once just like a snippet, and then once is more detailed later. And it's like, which pillow did you use to smother this guy? Yeah. And he points out like his brown watch. So she yes. picks up the brown colored pillow. Um, and there's a little interesting bit where she ties the knot on the child's hand in a more elaborate way, which he takes note of for some reason. Uh, I guess the fact that it's wrong, but I don't know. It's just <laughs> thinking sex stuff. No, no, just uh, mm-hmm, more, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. more elaborate, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, almost yeah. like an act of kindness. Okay, yeah, I was thinking sex stuff. You know, I uh, as a as a man who grew up uh, looking at Michelle Pfeiffer dressed up as Catwoman, I'm thinking about ropes and whips and yeah. and shit a lot. So whenever I the, see the uh, kind of the Baker boy, he asked if he can call her big sister, and then they sleep together later. That is, was that weird to you at all? Yeah. Uh, judging on my Pornhub history, not terribly, but I've already made that joke today, so yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah it also yeah. kind of felt like he was the stand-in for the murdered kid at times to me, but... Uh, well, there's a kind of interesting bit, because he is the exact same age that yeah. the murdered kid would be if he grew up. Like, yeah. he's 22 years old, she's a little bit older, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And it was 13 years in between, and he was the kid was murdered at the age of nine. So this kid is the exact same age that the child would have been if he had grown up. So there is that kind of, uh, would you call that fidelity or infidelity? I'm not really sure, Um, or lust of some sort, like uh, where she's like almost sexualizing this victim in like a weird way. Or, or I, trying to reconcile and give him something. I don't really understand the reason for this scene, to be honest. On that, uh, I don't. Yeah. Don't think he really needed it. And then they allude to a, a lesbian relationship while she is in prison, with no visual indicator of that. Mm-hmm. Which is weak. Uh, we yeah, a bit odd too. Yeah. Like you, yeah. They chose other lesbian sex, but not uh, anything consensual. No, we will get to the other lesbian sex because. Oddly, it's played for a little bit of comedy, and I don't know if that was just me or not. Well, to be determined, uh, put a pin in that one. No, it's definitely supposed to be funny. I, uh, yeah, it, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, good. Feel about that how you will. <laughs> <laughs> we should make note, too, one of the things the detective mentions in the flashback uh, after while she's meeting up with him at the bakery is that this little boy uh, had like a little marble on him at the time of yes. his death like there was this story about how one of his classmates was like and he won the biggest marvel marble in the 
land or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. He had a favorite he took, marble. Yeah, he won it like a pog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were playing pogs, and he got the OJ Simpson slammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he took my elf pogs from me. Um, there was a fucking pretty funny bit where the detective is like walking out of the bakery with his wife and mm-hmm. she's like oh really pretty girl how do you know her and it's like <laughs> oh yeah, i put her behind murderer. jail yeah yeah and she throws the cake on the ground she's like i'm eating this cake made by this child murder and he's like well she's not really i wrongfully accused her of it but she was asking for it you know yeah. yes men no it was a complicated situation um yeah and then we get more flashbacks here a lot of this jumping back and forth and again yeah, like, i imagine this is where we get the bit with the north korean spy that was in prison she older with dementia and uh our hero was basically wiping her ass uh she's old and that's what you sometimes have to do sometimes that's what you have to do i the, do like um, i do like that they don't demonize the north korean spy in the way i would expect if it was an American film, and they were at a Cold War with Russia. I've seen Red Dawn. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Rocky Four. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I've watched a fair amount of South Korean films, and North Korean spies often pop up, and they're never really treated as monsters that I've seen. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand. I'm sure there's probably a reason. I'm just not educated enough to know what it is. It's, it's not that we're not only not educated enough and like our ignorance isn't like willful in any sense it's more like we don't know the specific uh social and political mechanisms of south korea Mm -hmm. and we were talking before this aired i kind of wish i do because you know i've seen a bong joon ho film uh the host and i've heard that movie is like almost like what uh romero's dawn of the dead was where it was this kind of mocking of american consumerism right yeah yeah yeah. and and like that movie supposedly had a lot to do with some social and and political issues going on in south korea and it was using like a horror monster movie as like a you know using these genre tropes to say something politically conscious as most good horror movies do sorry fucking neckbeards out there saying like keep the politics out of my horror movies uh, uh you know i have to ask you are you familiar with polga story it is a north korean film uh kaiju film no i've never seen a single film from north korea uh that i can remember off the top of my head it is interesting because the uh the directors were South Koreans, uh, notable South Korean directors that uh, they had kidnapped and forced to make propaganda movies. Pokesari, wow. uh, it has social uh, commentary in it, I guess. But yeah, I've not seen it myself. It's one that's been on my list for ages, but I feel weird about watching it. Uh, some of the uh, the crew from the Godzilla movies work on it too, I guess. As the, I mean, if you're going to hire monster suit guys, I guess. Can't do it any better than that. <laughs> Leave it to the pros, kid. <laughs> yeah, and I guess they yeah. had less to worry about with being kidnapped, probably, huh? Yeah, because they were hidden in monster movie makeup. <laughs> they just well, I guess they came into like the country by sea. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fucking wild. Um, yeah. I don't know if part- there's a movie about their these directors escape, or it's like a husband and wife duo thing. 
Interesting. Yeah. You know, like I, I, America especially has a tendency to, you know, make these entertaining films that are borderline propaganda and showing whoever. Like, I loved Top Gun Maverick. I loved that movie. I had so much fun going to Did see that movie. Did you enlist after? Oh, yeah. Did you find the urge to enlist? Uh, yes, it's the better. I had to. And then I show up and they're like, you're fucking a 38-year-old schlub, uh, <laughs> you know, with two left feet. We don't want you anymore. We're not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the prime of your life, you were probably too drunk to fucking show up. You know what I mean? Um, but one of the things with America is it is like it's so big and it's like so isolated. But to put into context of like, you know, what's your neighboring state, Travis? Like the closest state Oklahoma, in the United States. Yeah. Probably. Imagine if Oklahoma was another country that used to be part of arkansas and they were run by a fucking crazy megalomaniac dictator who also had nuclear weapons would you so blatantly trash them in something that you knew the entire world was gonna say that's a good question yeah i don't know i was gonna say that like arkansas and oklahoma are both run by assholes so like they just don't have the they don't have the (laughs) they got umgs though so it's not a yeah pressing that's what I mean. It would be like like me making a fucking movie about how fucking New Jersey are monsters, you know? Stay tuned for my movie that I'm writing. New Jersey are monsters. Unjustfully, as you know from our Miss Marvel episode, I'm like a staunch Jersey um, advocate. Bon you know Jovi, what I mean? right? right? No, no, no. Right. I'm a Springsteen guy. I'm a Springsteen guy. I'm not but, familiar. I'm a yeah. Springsteen was he, was old he in Billy a Joel. Was camp or was that no? I... No, 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 this no, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. We don't, we don't rag on the boss on on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. I, I, I love you, New Jersey. I'm sorry. I spent many a summer going down to to your beautiful, beautiful shore, um, trying to get laid. It was a great time. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I the 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 flashback that I was kind of thinking about that that happens here is kind of where we start to get our villain and and we learn more about the situation. So there's been a lot of these I don't want to call them red herrings or MacGuffins, but it's like up to this point, it's like, okay, so we know this woman was in prison for killing this child. She lied about being reformed. She seems to be up to no good, but still wants vengeance on what and who. And was she actually wrongfully accused, right? So, like, these are all kind of mysteries within the mystery of this vengeance film. This movie's kind of as much a mystery up until this point as it is this kind of this uh, vengeance trope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we find out that she was kind of this, like, uh, wild, promiscuous youth, like 17, mm-hmm. 18 years old. And she's a little schoolgirl. She's in her little schoolgirl uniform. And she... Same actress or no? I, have, I, was... I think it was the same actress here. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we find out that she had gotten pregnant and she confided in her teacher, Mr. Bayek, um, because she couldn't go to her parents out of uh, some sort of shame and guilt and she didn't want to go to the person. The impregnator because he's a young kid 
also not ready to uh, shoulder that responsibility. Yeah, and then Mr. Bayek, the teacher, now expects um, Lady Vengeance to basically provide sex and assist the him. The is naked, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's got some sort of, like, kidnapping racket um, that he tells her about, and he uses her to lure uh, this five-year-old kid or this nine-year-old kid in with the intent of ransoming the child for some money, right? Mm -hmm. But murdered the kid. So the teacher murdered the kid. And then he kidnapped Lady Vengeance's infant daughter and threatened to murder her baby if she didn't take the blame. So she had spent the majority of her time in prison planning to get revenge on this guy for the murder of the kid and causing her own child to grow up uh, without a mother. Fucking yes. intense. Fucking intense, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a uh, back against the wall situation there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, don't always trust your teacher's kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, sometimes I mean, they're not the best are kind of drawn to those sorts of professions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, easy access, I guess, right? When yeah, they're slim pickings. Like, uh, when you be a summer camp counselor, I already look askance at I was a summer camp counselor once. I, I'll and, have uh, I'm looking now. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I was a summer camp counselor. Um, I, I pushed fat kids off a zip line for a little while, which was pretty fun. Like kids who were like scared, uh, you know, like those like ropes courses and <laughs> this shit. This just sounds the worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Pushed fat kids off the, the swing and they were mm -hmm. scared. And it just was mm -hmm. thrilling. Yeah. 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 I, I power tripped and then like bragged about it to the other girl counselors and attempts to, to get laid that night. Um, <laughs> um, Lady Vengeance finds out that the guy had put her daughter up for adoption and didn't murder the kid, though, and that the daughter's now living in Australia somewhere. It was How did they convey that information visually? Uh, with did you a, it was with like a crazy cloud scene, right? Oh, oh, I know. I was talking about the uh, in the little folder that she brings in, like Catwoman to the adoption agency. Mm -hmm. um, she finds the folder and visually it's just a picture of the kid with a kangaroo and you immediately know exactly <laughs> where the kid's at <laughs> but yes the cloud scene's good too uh, yeah yeah it's a little kid in the pocket of a kangaroo and then <laughs> <laughs> might as well have been i i i have to background just a little bit i want to yeah, talk yeah, about the weird uh, christian guy with the bad haircut Mm. shows up at her place and mm. the subtitles uh, have her call somebody and complain about uh, them giving every Tom, Dick, and Harry her address. Do you think yeah. those are accurate subtitles? I like saying every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I think it's a funny thing to say. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just really, I do not know. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't even have to translate phrases and things like that, but it it's rarely as jarring as that one was to me, yeah. but yeah, yeah. correct me up. Every Ryu, Jumjack, and yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The uh, 
kangaroo pouch thing <laughs> and, and her like traveling to australia is portrayed by her like waving her hand and then like the clouds turn into letters and it says like meanwhile in australia or something yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, that it's, right? uh, you have um no mother and then uh, it's uh, it's a shot of her daughter basically on a swinger upside down and staring at the clouds again teetering the line of surrealism where if your friends said they liked old boy and you told them there's another one of these and they put this on right like if you saw a cool tough car movie in 2011 and then told your friends there was another cool tough car movie and they went from fast five to drive they'd be like Fuck you, John. Fuck you, Travis. You know I what I mean? I never thought like, of it that way with this movie, but it is. I had thought about how they're very different movies, but not, not in those terms. Kind of uh, where old boy has some fucking cool action and stuff, and it's very funny. And he eats a fucking live squid, and it bites his face, and it's wow, yeah, it that was weird and cool. And yeah. this movie, even whenever it has action, it's more dramatic than thrilling. And old boy oozes with testosterone. Like it's a very macho movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. That that move that that has like so much seed in its sack, you know what I mean? Um it, it oozes with testosterone. And this is a very feminine movie with a much lighter touch. And I, I'm trying to think if uh Park um has ever done a movie with a, a female protagonist other than like The Handmaiden, right? I was going to say, yeah, The Handmaiden is the one. Uh, I can't think of another, right? Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. Is like his romantic comedy slash sci fi slash um, mental ward. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. very fun movie. Very, very sweet, almost. Uh, yeah, almost too much. I, I shouldn't like it as much as I do, but uh-huh. he, he includes some violence and then that makes it more palatable. <laughs> I'm a cyborg, but I'm okay. Sounds like the like Barton Fink version of like Philip K. Dick going to Hollywood and then telling him like, you got to write a movie for Nancy Myers. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you should see it. It's visually amazing kind of too. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, this movie is is really, really, um, it's it's female centric. This is a very feminine. Yeah, fucking yeah. a lot of females in the cast. It's yeah, yeah, and and Mostly. a lot of it, yeah, and it has to do with like motherhood. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like in so many ways that like almost teeter on the line of like being wrong. You know what I mean? And difficult. It's like. You know, she lost her daughter and she also was responsible partially for this kid's loss. And she's trying to get over both of those things. And one of the ways she goes about it, she doesn't have anything to give back to the kid because he no longer exists. So she finds someone who might be his age and gives him one of the only things that she can give him, which is like her cooter. Um, That's crazy, right? Like that's. I didn't think it that way as far as the, the rationale for that scene, but yes, I, I suppose so. Yeah. She also like, thinks like, he's an idiot. I, I, I do recall that bit where, yeah. 
yeah but maybe like at the end of the day like he's the surrogate for this thing and like mm-hmm. you know she's she's a woman who's been stripped down to nothing at this point like she has no money she has no means she has nothing else of value other yeah. than to give this kid other than like take his virginity from him you know yeah yeah uh which is a really intense thing to think about you know it's a really intense movie um so when she goes to Australia, we don't get to see any actual kangaroos, although I would have wouldn't have minded. Because kangaroos are crazy things. Have you ever seen that jacked kangaroo? Yes. Have you ever Googled? Oh my yeah. god. They're, I would not uh, want to meet that guy in a bar. No. Uh <laughs> once they ground dogs, they have a natural uh clenching. They have a Muay Thai clench. They do Yeah. I'll try to ground them, take them out to water and hold their head in the water. Jesus. Yeah. I'm, I've been reading a lot of Tank Girl lately because I got like the complete Tank Girl. What is she know, with kangaroos there? She hangs out with them. They're like mutated kangaroos. She uh, fucks some of them. I was going to say, yeah, you yeah, kind of uh, not telling the whole story there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Laura, I would still probably enjoy that movie. Uh, the Laura Petty Tank Girl movie? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Next time there's a slump in Marvel and IP bullshit, yeah. uh, we should think about doing like the comic book movies that people forgot. You know yeah, what I mean? The the, uh, the Judge Dreads of the world. <laughs> <laughs> the Tank Girls of the world. Even the Men in Black of the world. I've often said, like, I think it would be fun because Men in Black was a Marvel comic, you know, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. I never think of that one as a, a comic book movie. It kind of is. And yeah. it's kind of like like Barry Sondheim, right? Isn't that who did those? I believe so, yeah. Um, He's kind of like the popcorn version of the Coen brothers in a lot of weird ways, right? Like he's got the whizzing camera. He was a mm-hmm. Coen brothers cinematographer for like Raising Arizona, Barton Fink, all that stuff. No way. So he kind of has that like real no, crazy. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. He did a lot of Sam Raimi stuff back before spider-man and shit you know um i think he shot army of darkness i believe uh so yeah that would be fucking fun uh so yeah no kangaroos but australians are fucking weird like she's in this house again another scene that kind of reminded us both of um natural born killers because it's like very suburban bright kind of looks like a john waters movie you know what i mean yeah um but they are goofy drunk yeah yeah the whole suburban element in this is very strange and unnatural but it, it works well enough um this definitely reminds me of the natural born killers <laughs> suburban situation there too but uh there's a movie uh another one that i wanted us to cover at some point called perdita durango that's a spinoff of wild at heart it's got one of these scenes in it too where mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh Soon. That, soon, yeah. That's a movie that's on a, a streaming service that only I subscribe to. So, <laughs> Arrow Video, check it out. Good streaming service. If you ever want to watch, like, the killer women of the avocado jungle and, like, every Gamera movie ever made. That special kind of loser. And if you're ever interested in, like, not just watching every Puppet Master movie, but watching them in chronological timeline order, like, that you know, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go a little extra. Um, 
Yeah, so the, these Australian parents, they're like goofy drunk and they, they're speaking English and like this girl has no idea what they're saying and she's just kind of like flaunting around hammered. Like she falls off a chair when they try and show them one of their pictures, right? It's so mm-hmm. fucking funny, man. Yeah. She did write him a letter beforehand letting them know that she was coming at least. But She did. Um... Yeah, the daughter now goes by the name of Jenny. She is like this adolescent who doesn't speak any Korean because she has grown up in uh, Australia. And um, they could have given her uh, hired an actress with a very thick, like crocodile Dundee accent. That would have been awful, but I would have gotten so much amusement out of it. Uh, just, you know, yeah. I literally just have Paul Hogan do it. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Just have Paul Hogan like dub it over for for yeah that would have been fantastic uh, uh, um <laughs> have the uh play of the concords guys or some shit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah this this little girl does not initially embrace her mom um and they have this sequence where she's like i want to go to south korea i want to go to seoul and the mom just stammering like no 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 and i think do you think in the back of her head she's like it is like not safe for you there this guy will fucking kill us yeah yeah and she also has that murder thing she wants to do and kids just complicate that so much as she's already learned with- yeah but like why'd you go see the kid if you yeah one last time i think was what she was thinking or at least want to see the kid grown somewhat and the kid is a master negotiator though so true 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 uh, yeah so they fly back to uh to south korea yeah. and by and by the time they get there the gun is ready we also find out that the gun can only be used at close range right yes. that's yes. something they say a couple times then we get a jail flashback where we find out that lady vengeance was kind of like this like good kind of kingpin right uh she was nicknamed the witch not the vavitch to uh that was uh in a joy yeah um she got the nickname by murdering a uh prison bully slash rapist lady uh mm-hmm. by poisoning her with bleach and we get some flashbacks of this this butch up in the up in the prison who is uh forcing people basically to suck her pussy um and it is shocking. Like it's it's a minute and a half long take just on this woman's face, like holding, forcing someone's head into her crotch. Right? Yeah. I mean, since this is kind of a, a woman in prison film, there's no nudity in it. There's, there's a lot of suggested, I guess, but uh, it's more restrained than it could have been, I guess. Well, one thing I am maybe it shouldn't be funny though. <laughs> well, the yeah. thing is the 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 fat rapist lady. The second she ends getting her pussy sucked, she like gets out of the tub and she slips, and it's pretty funny when she falls. That made me laugh. Um, but I was saying to you, this is a revenge film where there's a female protagonist who is not raped, and that is no, not yeah. her cause of revenge. And that's kind that's of delightful nice. for me. Yeah. yeah, dude. Like, I am you so. You have other to... reasons for wanting revenge. That's yeah. Imagine that. There's other wrongdoings that you can do to a woman, just like you could do to a man, mm-hmm. that do not involve getting a dick in your butt or something. You know. Um. 
it's not to say like, and this sounds kind of crazy. There was a point in time where like I sought out like revenge, rape revenge movies. Like I, I watched them and like yeah. you know, the last house is on the left is like the big one. You know what I mean? And spit on your grave is the big one. And yeah, you know, yeah. I went out and saw those movies and kind of championed them. Um, but just kind of the older I got, I guess the weaker my stomach got for that stuff and the more yeah, I kind of put me, it into context. The revenge has to be uh, more creative. Uh, more time devoted to making sure that's satisfying than I, in the remake series, I Spring Rape 2. The rape scene was very elaborate and went on for fucking ever. And then mm-hmm. the revenge part was just, oh, well, this is just the same thing, you know, be over quick. And that was just awful. I uh, I hated that movie. The third one yeah. gets the the concoction right, and it's isn't it like four like hours long? No, no, like no. That's the uh, I want to say it's another remake with the original cast member. Not that one. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, uh, enemy of the podcast, King Gross, like loved that movie, and I, I just kept pushing. I can't, it I'm wouldn't do four hours of any of that sort of film. No, Miss Forty Five is a good one. Miss Forty Five is a good one. Uh, Abel Ferrer is a goddamn king. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of like other like Irreversible is a good one, right? Uh there's one. Uh, that uh, had a regular retitle for the American race called uh, Avenged. In other markets, it's called Savaged. It's horribly offensive. It's uh, it's rape revenge, but there's also a woman being possessed by the spirit of a Native American ghost. And so, oh wow! She uses Native American weapons and stuff, and and that's why they don't call it Savaged in America because yeah, uh, we're the ones yeah. that she- did them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. turns into Warhawk from the X Men and just fucking yeah 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 it's pretty much yeah. that it's pretty much that yeah what if Danny Moonstone was uh, in the last house on the left yeah the kills are good that's the thing I liked about it uh, yeah. yeah what you were talking about before where it's like the rapes oh by the way Straw Dogs that's another good one oh yeah um what you were talking about before with the the scenes of the sexual assaults going on too long and the actual revenge and enacting of it not feeling as cathartic and being over quickly it makes you kind of question the intentions of the filmmaker where are you doing this for tna like are you doing this like to be titillating you know You that's, fucking edgelord loser. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. That's gross. Huh? It's horrible is what that is, my friend. Mm-hmm. As my mother would say, it's horrible, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just kind of relieving. And that didn't even sink in until like right before we started recording. I'm like, oh, a revenge movie that didn't have the sexual assault of the main character be the whole the rust of this fucking thing you know yeah <laughs> yeah like and then i took like a deep breath and was like okay cool um yeah so back in the current day of the timeline right she tracks down mr bayak the teacher and his wife and she meets up with the wife because she finds out that the wife 
hates this fucking guy for being actually like sexual assault, all these fucking horrible things, abusive mm-hmm. to her. And they meet up and they start planning on taking this fucking guy down together. But meanwhile, that little turd with the fucking haircut, the pastor um, who helped her out in prison is like photographing her and following her around and sees her with the wife and narks her out. Like yeah, I think to... he's been spying the entire time or something. Uh, at a certain point, he goes back to pay back and or to get paid by back rather. And there's a, a funny gag where uh, um, the preacher guy thanks back and tells him that the money will go towards a good cause of, with the church and everything. And then back takes a few dollars back. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. 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 Bayag, you're a dirtbag, but, but that was, that was a gangster move, you know? Um, oh, yes. One thing we kind of skipped over. Uh, after this, she gets her kid back for a bit. They adopt a puppy. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. They do. <laughs> but they don't have it for long, though. Uh, no. Yeah, does, it, does that happen already? Yeah. Yeah. It's already happened. They, uh, she does a little, uh, like, pre-screen of the site where she's the vengeance is going to take place with her plan and uh she does a trial run with this fucking puppy and they don't show it or whatever but she definitely kills it she wants to test out her short range weapon right um and she (laughs) blasts a puppy in the fucking head yeah i uh whenever i think of this movie i never remember that she kills the dog i always think that Oh, she doesn't have the heart for it. I, I mean, yeah. that's that scene I wrote in my notes. Oh, but she doesn't have the 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 heart for the vengeance part. And then, uh, oh, oh no, no, no. She's got the heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ruthless. She's got the touch. She's got the power. As that she's got the glow. transformers. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's got the glow. Yeah. <laughs> um, people get really upset over dogs dying in film. People yeah, get really I... upset don't love it uh this was very tasteful if you will oh <laughs> yeah 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 tasteful as, puppy murder yeah. yeah yeah uh it doesn't really show much it just lets you know that it's happening uh yeah john wick shows up and fucking <laughs> takes her out yeah uh yeah um yeah bayok hires some goons basically to uh <laughs> Take down um, Lady Vengeance. One of them is a big uh, actor, King Ho Thong. A uh, very cherubic face. Always looks like a nice guy in real life, probably. Uh, yeah. Parasite. Yeah, amazing in Parasite. Yeah, he's been in a lot of good movies, though. Huh? Yeah. How do you feel about Parasite? I think it's great. I haven't rewatched it, though. So maybe okay. I... Uh, I'm happy at one. I'm surprised at one. Yeah. Me too. It's kind of like my favorite water one, where it's like, yeah, it's a movie about fish men fucking. <laughs> yeah, or Moonlight, you know, Moonlight oh, yeah. being out La La Land in recent years, where you're like, oh, this like weird gay hood movie one, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, where it was deserving. Like, Moonlight was yeah. the best movie in a year full of really good movies, you know, and uh, and uh, Parasite 
that year that was a really strong year for film and see i don't know what it was against in that one i just i don't follow the awards uh like a proper film fan should probably but uh it beat the favorite i will tell you that ah uh, that yeah ah, that's tough. and it beat once upon a time in hollywood mm. yeah but i i think parasite's kind of a master class i uh saw it a couple times in theaters once was at uh sound real snobby in new york here it was at film at lincoln center and i got to see director bong for a little bit uh and uh i saw it with two filmmakers who also had a movie that got snubbed by the the oscars that year who shall remain nameless on Ah. on air um and it was a fucking great night and they kind of made me appreciate they like every single scene that takes place with the middle class family they live in a um like a half underground half above ground yeah, room yeah, and, it's and upper class is on a hill and lower class is literally subterranean and every single shot of the lower class is shot from above up and every shot of the upper class i was like okay this is way crazier than i thought it was you know yes that was kind of my thing too i didn't know what type of movie it was going to be going in i haven't loved all of juno mong's movies i've seen a few and a few of them really fucking didn't work for me but uh that one definitely did i want to say that uh it also had some societally good where they addressed some of those issues Somewhat. Oh, 100%. Oh, in really, really clever, clever ways. And the whole idea of like how this system is kind of, it's not set up necessarily for failure, but it's set up to keep everyone within their own place and how everyone is reliant on someone else. Like you need the lower, lower class. So the middle class can have something to step on and the upper class need the middle class because they need workers, but the middle class need the upper class because they need the money. And it's like, who is the parasite here? Like the whole thing is like a parasitic relationship against one another. And they're all living off of the backs and the welfare of one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, if I knew more about uh, South Korean societal and political issues, I probably would have gotten a lot more from that, which is kind of a bummer. And, you know, the big one I'm thinking is like, I wonder what uh, people in South Korea thought of Get Out, you know what I mean? Or or a movie like Moonlight and, yeah, yeah. and saw those kinds of movies and thought like, man, I wish I knew about what the fuck Americans were talking about here, you know? <laughs> um yeah, I mean, they they probably saw Joker, and we're like, you know, we do live in a society. So they do, they do. Uh, yeah, they yeah, should yeah. have one of their movies out performing Titanic in their home country. Uh, uh, nineteen ninety nine, sure, it was one of their big, uh, first big movies in a long time. Apparently, it was kind of a uh, the start of the new wave of Korean directors that kind of brings us here. Interesting, yeah, and outperformed Titanic there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not in. Not in worldwide. Obviously. Yeah. 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 Never heard <laughs> of movie, have you? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you heard of so is everyone else. Yeah. 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 Um, you like it or you didn't watch it? Yeah. Lady Vengeance uh, starts taking some vengeance here, where like she lets uh, the parasite guy beat her up a little bit in this alley. And this is where if you're watching the fade to black and white version, it starts the color saturation starts getting like the life sucked out of it here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, snow is falling. It's very 
almost like Sin City kind of, you know what I, I mean? I can see like, that. Yeah, I like the wide, uh, like the side uh, viewer or whatnot. Uh, yeah, side scroller. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she gets beat up and then she basically gets up and blasts one of the guy's brains out and then shoots the other guy's hand off. Yes. It's pretty fucking cool to see the gun in action. This is the most action we see out of the gun because they they, they cheaped out on the puppy death, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really the last action action in the movie. I, I would, Yeah. Uh, yeah, even unless you call it like child uh, oh, yeah. films action. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah, yeah, it's about to get dark. It's about <laughs> to get dark, audience. Uh, yeah, so back at uh, this guy's house, Mr. Bayak has uh, tied his wife up after she's made him food. And, and he looks like he's about to fucking kill her and he's eating these noodles before he gets knocked out cold and the wife apparently has like poisoned him with some sort of sedatives and she's got a, this actress has a good face when she's like covered in blood and she's yes. like yeah I got you motherfucker. The smile yeah 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 uh, Lady Vengeance brings her, her child her little Joey not Jenny right <laughs> you think that's what they call girl baby kangaroos Jenny's Jenny's and Joey's uh, I don't think so. But they okay. Every Tom, Dick, Jenny, and Joey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, she brings her child to this killer's home. And uh, it's weird. Before transporting him to the kill site, she like starts cutting all of his hair off, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, there's like a they, little wrestling angle there where you they lost a, a loser leaves, leaves town or loses their hair or whatever match. It's very, uh, yeah. She starts flexing and rips her shirt off and starts cutting promos on him and shit like that. <laughs> oh no, she makes him cut the promo, kind of. Like the uh, this is where we get the, the weird is. bit where he has or she has him translate uh, her message to her daughter, basically, which is a strange thing. I do think they show her speaking in English a little bit earlier in the film, but it's rough. Yeah, and and I don't know if her speaking in English is like earlier in the film is necessarily in her head or not you know yeah. what i mean because that's kind of like the sense i was getting but mm. yeah she has written this essentially an apology to her daughter but knowing her daughter doesn't speak korean she has him read it to her in english and you had kind of an interesting interpretation of this entire thing you know yeah yeah where i view this as depicting how this is this one event has tainted everything in her life. Everything is through this lens and having him be the, uh, the spokesperson, I guess, for her words. Yeah. And everything in her life is kind of filtered mm -hmm. through this exact moment, yeah. this moment of revenge. Like it's finally happening. And yeah, everything is kind of yeah, being filtered through this act of vengeance that she's been thinking about preparing for yeah currently enacting has everyone there for it you know mm -hmm. and um she's got a good little uh punch you in the face for about fucking five minutes and like has him tied up in this chair and then as he's tied up 
his cell phone starts ringing before she can pull the trigger. When she pulls the cell phone out of the pocket and there's like a charm bracelet thing attached to it with all sorts of little trinkets, uh, about mm-hmm. five or six of them. And the bottom one is the fucking marble that we know was lost by the kid. So this is implying that this guy has murdered more than one child. Mm-hmm. So she essentially gets the they what's scour- called detective here. She yeah, gets the detective who who is on the case. The detective and has then it cuts to uh, her and the other girl scouring uh, the guy's house looking for clues, basically, and they find videotapes. Yeah, they find snuff films of all the child murders that this guy has. Yeah, been we performing. only hear them at first when they're showing the detective. What? Yeah, yeah, but this guy was abducting these children, right? He, um, <clears throat> he's like, ugh, he has been going from school to school because he's a teacher. Mm-hmm. And whenever he'd like find a kid to be fucking annoying, he would abduct them and torture them and kidnap them and record footage of them and send them to these parents for ransom. And then he would get the money from the parents. And instead of returning the kid, he would he would fucking kill the kid and keep the ransom money and move to yeah. another school. We actually learned a bit later on that the kid's already dead by the time he sends the ransom tape. They, yeah, just awful. Yeah, he's sending like audio, pre-recorded audio of the kid mm-hmm. instead. It's fucking awful. Um, so now that she's shown this to the detective, instead of bringing him into the authorities or taking care of business themselves, they contact and gather all the parents and family members of the murdered children together (laughs) and she gets them in a little classroom it gives them two options one they send them to jail they have all the evidence they need they have the detective right here he can make the arrest we can let the justice system take course and two they can all take turns killing this guy in any fashion they feel mm-hmm. and they won't be able to get caught because they will incriminate one another and essentially take a selfie at the end of the thing <laughs> so if somebody rats out somebody else they're also incriminating themselves yes and, and our hero choose- threatens vengeance also on anyone <laughs> yeah 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 and our hero is giving this monologue in like a crazy like leather serial killer apron in the front of a i like the collar on it it's very like high up like a mask (laughs) yeah it's cool it's cool um we find out that this conversation is being recorded through like a (laughs) microphone that's wired to a amplifier and a speaker inside the room where Mr. Bayok is being held. So he's listening to all these people talking about how badly they fucking want to kill him. And Um, negotiate how they're going to do it, whether it's going to be all together or separate. One by one. Yeah. 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 
Um, that this is where the movie get, becomes very like just your wish fulfillment. Uh, I guess for anyone that's um, had their kid murdered, <laughs> yeah, uh, or there's the thought of it. Like, what the yeah. fuck would you do if if you fucking like one guy brings a fucking battle axe? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's sick. Um, mm-hmm. I I also really liked the bit where they uh you we talked about it before, but uh where they're talking about the other things that happened after the kid died. And yeah. Uh it's not just that their kid died, it's the uh the complications that ensued afterwards and like uh other family members committing suicide from depression from the loss of the kid and then like paying the ransom, it breaking you, you losing your home, all sorts of things like that. Uh, yeah the, the the dreariness of all of that um where it hasn't just affected them and and that's kind of one of the things that separates this movie from old boy and uh sympathy for mr vengeance where um the act of the antagonist uh you essentially thought it was just impacting you know the the, the main protagonist the guy seeking the revenge this has much wider implications so this justice again, like, is this movie advocating for the death penalty? Eye for eye? I don't really know. I uh, wish fulfillment more like it, you know. Yeah. But the the outreach that this guy's web of bullshit has has spread to has affected so many people. Like the one kind of uh, lower class family is saying you know, you guys look pretty well off, you know, when we paid our ransom, we lost everything. We've been bankrupt ever since. And they're like, yeah, you know, we have money, but, uh, after, you know, our one kid like died, you know, uh, the other kid ran away and killed well, himself. And I now think my daughter she was is- the grandmother and it's pretty much, uh, the kid's mother or father killed himself after the kid died. Yeah, so even though, like, you know, I might have money, but, like, listen to this fucking nightmare situation that happened. Um, Yeah, that all of that is really, really grim and dour and makes you kind of root for, like, yeah, get this guy. You know what I mean? And then on Um, top of that, they show the videos of... uh, It's on par, kind of, with uh, the home movies in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Hey, uh... (laughs) A podcast favorite at this point, I guess. Yes, yes, yes. A podcast guess, staple. Podcast staple. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's more accurate. Uh, that's a rough watch. This was a rough watch. You don't really see this level of brutality towards children in mainstream American films almost ever. I can't think of any, but I'm sure there must have been some. Yeah, I mean, you don't even really... This is like Pasolini shit, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've Did I sound pretentious enough saying Pasolini? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's grim and grimy and uh, fairly realistic. There's no bloodshed or anything like that. It's just fucking miserable. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really really grim and dour. And again, if you're watching the fade to black and white bits, this is now gone further and further into desaturated black and white territory where it's it's like teetering the line of just being a black and white movie right yes yes yeah kind of meeting the tone of this film at this point you know (laughs) um yeah so all these people 
essentially bring their weapon of choice and take turns beating and mutilating and torturing this guy until he's dead. The um, final person to take a, take a hit against them is, is an older woman who cuts his throat open with a pair of scissors. Yeah. It stabs me in the back of the head, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, the scissors had a name tag on it. So I assume it was belonging for the kid. Uh, it wasn't safety scissors at all, so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, These they, were they very young them. children. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He actually passed away from running with them. It was that urban. Uh, I guess it, I should go back just a little bit and say, very good child actors uh, for these roles. With the bits where they're fucking sobbing, it was very realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're, this is uh, a feel-good part. <laughs> no, you're defending the... Uh, all those times you made fun of children actors on the show. They knocked here. it out. So yeah, huh? yeah. 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 They really did knock it out of the park here. Um, yeah. So they all take a selfie essentially around this guy's corpse mm-hmm. and uh, help one another clean them up and then go to hide the evidence by uh, digging a hole and putting them in there. And then you realize our lady vengeance hasn't gotten to take a shot against this guy. <laughs> And she says, hey, do you guys mind giving me a second? They're like, yeah, no problem. And she just takes out her gun and blasts them twice in the brains yes. uh, to finish them off before before burying them. Um, and she cries and smiles kind of at the same time, which is kind of like the tone of the film at this point, right? Like, yeah. We've exactly. gotten... Even, yeah, you, even during some of the... Uh, them torturing the guy... There's uh, at least one little haha in there too with the uh, the guy with the axe where he's he wants to completely finish him off there, but he he's not the last in line, so he has to hold off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the group then starts singing "Happy Birthday" with one another, singing "Happy Birthday" to you know all of their lost children here and yeah well and a new birth for themselves uh now they can properly grieve knowing what uh knowing that their children are avenged and yeah and that's kind of goes back to the whole idea of this like the ends of the first two uh installments of this trilogy end in um complete and utter misery right like yeah, anger leads to more anger and freedom leads to more oppression right mm-hmm. and this essentially leads to closure and salvation you know and and also the thought that like we stop something from occurring further also like not only did they avenge the wrongdoings their, against them yeah. and their loved ones. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, they Prevented also from the future. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that going for it as well. There is this kind of like cathartic release almost where it's not necessarily a happy moment. It was kind of the ne- necessary evil at this point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but much like a lot of the justice system, it's complicated, right? Um, oh, yeah. And this is a really complicated emotion at this time. Um, yeah, so... I suppose I could just ask you how you were you center on the death penalty. 
I mean, right yeah. Off air. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it off air. Like, again, that's a complicated issue. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, um, I have mixed feelings on it. Eh? Yeah, I have mixed feelings on it too. Like, do I don't know. I have mixed feelings on the abilities of the prison system to actually reform somebody. You know, that's part of the issue. Yeah, I don't know if it's for punishment or rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly, or just um, out of necessity, you know, like yeah. because it's like you're housing a wild animal with some people, uh, yeah. And I mean, we were talking about Refn last week when we did our Copenhagen Cowboy episode, but you know, he did that film on uh, Tom Hardy played the oh, British Bronson. prisoner Charlie Bronson, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, Bronson went into prison like a mentally ill guy who committed a violent crime where nobody got hurt stealing like 23 pounds and the prison system is what really drove that guy nuts like yeah, that, yeah. That, he got in there and realized he loved to lube himself up in grease and fight people naked yeah yeah butter, much, so he'd be staying a while yeah butter on my toast and i'm fucking out of here yeah um it's kind of a hilarious movie not a hilarious uh, real life situation feel bad for the guy somewhat but i i don't i didn't know he was mentally ill good hope and did he that's not just like a normal guy that, yeah uh, yeah but like the 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 prison system is what like turned that guy into like an actual beast and there's that whole like that whole beginning part where it's like there's no the, instead of there being like reformation they're essentially just like drugging these guys out so they sleep their way through their sentence you know Mm -hmm. what i mean they're not even trying to like utilize modern therapy techniques or like any instillment of values and lessons learned it's just um like a work camp or or almost like unbearable torture like leaving a guy in a room alone for fucking 22 hours out of every day like are you fucking crazy like that's gonna make somebody even worse um so again my feelings on the death penalty are very complicated and it's not just on well, the there, and just like a lack of confidence and the judicial system to always convict the right guy that's the other thing <laughs> that's a big thing too yeah, yeah you don't yeah, want to be exactly executing people that were wrongly convicted now huh yeah, or God forbid you uh, you fucking bring this guy to trial and somehow he's got enough money from that ransom shit to to get himself out. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, did they make the right choice? Like, who knows? But did they get the result that they were looking for at the end of the day, which is like finding closure and finding who did this for us and making sure that what's happened to us never happens to anyone else? Yes, that did happen at the end of the day here. Do the ends justify the means? That's a complicated part, you know? Mm-hmm. Is there personal catharsis and salvation for these people? Yeah, but at what cost? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's also at what cost to the self? And if you're talking selfishly, it might be tough. But if you're talking selflessly, you've also stopped something from occurring in the future. Um this is the kind of weirdest part of the movie where I'm a little confused. Uh, yeah, I'm too, and I've seen this movie a fair amount of times. So there's this whole everything after that is kind of less clear. Uh, but there's a bit yeah. in Australia where her daughter is sleeping in between her foster parents, and there's smoke in the house for some reason. 
And then it cuts to her being back with uh, her mother. Mm-hmm. And it's not just her. Like, her mother walks to the side and is encountered essentially by the ghost of the child who she was imprisoned for uh, the framed murder, right? Yes. And he's like a little kid, the age he would have been at the time of his death. Mm-hmm. And then he puts like a ball gag in her mouth and turns into an adult. Who happens to be the little old boy. Yeah. 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 And like thinking back on it, it's like obviously there's some sort of, um, uh, you know, symbology here. Like there's some sort of symbolism. Mm -hmm. And um, is it like I have so many things to say and it's kind of like just like, you know, like don't tell anybody about this. This is the end. This is the end of that. You know what I mean? Like, go about your life now. It's not about me. I'm gone. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, this was 14 years ago. Like, look, if, if I was a grown man, I would have forgotten you too. I'm walking away. Um, but it is rather interpretive, you know, yes. and not a nice, straightforward answer. It's not quite like old boys where you know exactly what happened and you wish it hadn't. <laughs> And you just are like crawled up into a puddle of fucking emotions and like depression at that point. Yeah. Um, And then the film ends on her embracing her daughter um, and handing her a block of the white tofu, right? The thing that signified innocence and purity and all of these things. And instead of her daughter eating it, she houses it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, just grabs yeah. her face directly down into it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're uh taken out into the uh title cards by the magnificent score that we have not mentioned until yeah, just now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily my favorite score of the uh the trilogy of films here. Yeah. It is one really? that I listen to on occasion outside of watching this fucking thing. Yeah, I, this is the same composer um Goes by the name of Sean Choi, uh, who who did do the music for for Old Boy mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, what a beautiful score throughout this entire thing! Like really stark string arrangements, it's, mm-hmm. it's cool percussive stuff. It's it's something I'm definitely going to listen to. I, I listen to a lot of film score. Um, one I listen to it while like I'm reading. Because if I listen to stuff with words, I get very confused. And if I listen to stuff with words while I'm working, I get very confused. I start typing words that I'm seeing and shit like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, so I listen to a lot of like instrumentals and stuff like that. It's how like the Succession soundtrack ended up being like my number one most listened to <laughs> album of fucking 2022, which was so weird. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in the top like zero point one percent of listeners for nicholas Broll or whatever his name is you know um but yeah no beautiful fucking music beautiful ending really intense movie travis oh yeah oh yeah with that being said my friend do you have anything else additional that you'd like to talk about before kind of just jumping into our final thoughts and our reviews no that's about it us how you really feel let's rate this so we here 
at Beyond Vengeance. That's what we're calling it this week. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Uh, we rate and review all of our installments from one to five dumplings, right? Uh, one dumpling no being way. the worst. Five <laughs> dumplings a, being the worst. That's a big dumpling only. Eh? Okay, that's a big puppy. Uh, could have done octopus. I was going to say murdered puppies, but yeah, yeah. Murder puppies, yeah. Yeah, Five, is nice. <laughs> yeah, not much nicer unless they're made of uh, board of fetuses. Um, yeah, we do accept half dumplings here. Travis for Lady Vengeance, also known as Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, apparently. Yes. Um, what say you? One out of five. Uh, for me, this is a five out of five. I, uh, wow, better than 2001. Much better, much better. Wow, wow. <laughs> How many murdered puppies did that one have? Not a one. Yeah, no. you uh, do get a midget in a monkey suit getting attacked by a tiger in the first scene. You do. That's it's yeah. pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. now objectively, I think it, it is probably like a four out of five, but my personal enjoyment is five out of five for sure. I've seen this movie a bunch of times, it had been a long time since the last time, but. Going back to it, it was like an old friend, and uh, a little bit of the CGI is a bit dated now, like the mosquito in the prison. That, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's like little stuff like that, but I'm not going to judge too harshly for that. Huh? Yeah, like, I, I will be honest, we did this because we were talking a bit about old boy... And, and Korean films and and Decision to Leave and Park Chan Wook. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this is the only one of the three in the Vengeance trilogy I hadn't seen. And we also were talking about how if you were to do Old Boy or something along those lines or Parasite, like yeah. what has what has been said, what hasn't been said about Parasite or Old Boy that a bunch of schmoes on the internet like have additional to say? Probably not too much. So we we were like let's talk about this one i had never seen it and it was your personal favorite of the three um and we also like uh another kind of female driven um asian revenge movie uh lady snowblood a yes. movie that both yeah, yeah. you and i bond over a lot um but i will say like i dreaded watching this this week <laughs> like yeah. because i st- I started thinking about old boy. Like I started thinking about how I felt the first time I saw that movie. And that was my introduction, not only really to like Korean cinema, but like that was at a point in time where I'm like, maybe I should start watching more new modern Asian films because like, Oh my God, you know, there's, there's studios and and industries outside of Hollywood and the American independent. And they were starting to get real funding behind them too, especially in Korea, Korean films look great kind of. And yeah. Yeah. And, and old boy really um, was kind of like one of those like catalysts for, for that in my brain and for a lot of people in the United States and, uh, and Western world. But then I remembered Oh yeah, that movie was such a fucking gut punch and it hurt. It hurt. You know what I mean? Even I saw the devil like kind of hurt when I was watching it. Um, so I was kind of expecting that. And while this film isn't necessarily an easy watch by any means, and yeah. and no, and it, and it has to do with with themes and subjects, um, like child snuff films that uh you know are are just really, really hard to to not only talk about but to but to watch and and they visualize it um 
there again was a, a kindness to this movie um and the kind of like necessity to all of the deeds that was happening in this movie that I find it the most rewatchable out of the three in the vengeance trilogy mm-hmm. and, and the most kind of inspired in, in a lot of ways. Like while I think maybe the performances in old boy are more memorable and, yeah. and there, there might be some more memorable, like standout sequences. Like there was nothing in, in, uh, and Lady Vengeance, that kind of like made me like stand up out of my chair the way the the hammer hallway fight scene in Old Boy did, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there was also nothing in Old Boy that made me kind of feel as good as this movie did, and uh, there was nothing in Old Boy or any of these films, other films that that made me say like, "Oh my God, this guy could be the next David Fincher. This guy could be the next Alfred Hitchcock." You know, and mm-hmm. and this movie has signs of that. This is like one of the most like if you're talking about like the visual language and sonic language of film and like what kind of tools people can use to convey emotions and make people feel things and like you know tricks like like literal like yeah. fucking Jedi mind tricks that that <laughs> filmmakers can play on you. Um, this movie runs deep with that in a way that i i haven't really seen uh park john book like execute with the exception of maybe decision to leave uh which is something again like i think i'm going to revisit after mm-hmm. watching this and and be a lot more impressed um there's some cinematography in here that we didn't even bring up on air like when we find out that the um that the group planning to murder the the killer is running a microphone cord into his room where you get the microphone mm-hmm. cord, like it, the camera follows up and it whooshes through. We talked about that, that mirror shot and, and just the, the way the color pans in and out um, by far one of the most cinematically gratifying films. Like I have watched in mo- like recent memory, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, where, I, I'm going to give this thing a 4.5 out of 5. Um, the only thing I think really holding it back, other than seeing like the puppy get executed, um, is stuff that I think I'm going to come to appreciate more and give a five star. You know, just talking through it with you on the show, you know, I was confused about the whole affair with the kid at the baker shop. And while we're talking about it, I'm like, Oh my God, this is kind of making sense because it's like, yeah. what can I give this guy uh, that he's never had that, that I have at this moment in time? Like, again, nothing is clean and neat in this movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Yet the filmmaking behind it is so clean and neat and in control where it's, it's cool to see, a world portrayed with such control, but the world that it's portraying is so out of control. Um, That's like that kind of duality that I'm always kind of looking for on the intellectual level with any good art, whether Mm -hmm. it's film or whatever, um, that only someone with 
true fucking talent who knows exactly what they're trying to do is capable of doing um and i think again in time like i sit with this ending a little bit more with each watch or even each thought that i have and it maybe it becomes a little bit clearer or my own interpretation starts to make a little bit more sense to me personally not to everyone not even mm-hmm. necessarily to the filmmaker's intent and that's kind of like the best kind of movie you know like that's the best kind of story i mean it's like um, no one there just be one definitive uh, interpretation of it right it's, yeah huh yeah and anything right yeah. absolutely absolutely and this is definitely one that made me think and it's something that's gonna sit with me for a very fucking long time and i really like the lead actress in this movie and her character yeah yeah like i i don't think we talked about her enough and kind of her ability to turn on and off the angelic kind of vibe that you know she was going for um where she she became equally as sinister and equally as menacing as she was like you were genuinely concerned for this woman and um yeah there's not enough good things I can say about this movie. Basically, I'm very happy we chose this movie to to talk yes, about. I'm glad you have finished out the trilogy now. Even if you wouldn't have enjoyed it, I would have enjoyed talking about it with you. A hundred percent. Even if I didn't enjoy this movie, and you don't enjoy this movie, you have to be an idiot not to get something from this thing. Well, you know? appreciate the filmmaking for the period that it was made in, especially. Huh? even now like this I, I really think this movie like stands up to to modern quality and things like that and a lot of stuff from this particular time period that just mid aughts like we're starting to use digital photography looks fucking the color filter is one of the big things from films from this period kind of suffer from uh, there wasn't a lot of that here there's a little maybe but mm-hmm. but yeah for yeah the most like- part, it's very crisp looking yeah especially with movies that have that kind of frantic camera like you know like i'm a huge fucking michael mann fan but like i would not knock somebody who said like you know collateral is a good movie but it looks weird you know (laughs) or uh you ever see session nine that uh little horror movie yeah yeah that that's another like prime example looking movie yeah yeah because they're like on the cusp of this new kind of revolutionary technology but it's like we don't know how to use it yet you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so a lot of films from this particular time almost p- appear more dated than the stuff from like 1995ish you know right, yeah uh, um this fortunately did not for me and uh yeah i i'm astonished at how well executed this movie is on like every single fucking level um Travis, not a lot going on in the world of uh, our normal bullshit, pop no. culture, intellectual property stuff, but we do have a couple minor news items to talk about before calling it an evening. What's the first uh, item on the docket you want to bring up before wrapping up? Okay. Uh, Titans and Doom Patrol are on their final season now. I don't know if it's cancellation or 
if this is going to, if they're going to have a, an actual conclusion for their shows, I don't really care with Titans. Doom Patrol, I actually do plan to finish at some point. I just, I'm terrible with TV. Yeah. Doom Patrol is a show that I absolutely adore that I can't believe exists. And I'm kind yeah. of amazed that it made it to four, four seasons. seasons. That's not bad for it. Not bad for a show whose main character is Robot Man. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> Brendan Fraser on a, a comeback, kind of. Yeah, yeah, the Fraser sons. I love Doom Patrol. I uh, think since you've known me, I've probably been screaming about Graham Morrison's Doom Patrol run. Yes. Uh, it's one of the comic books that I always say, like, kind of like saved my life, where I went back to it at a very particular time in like my early twenties where I kind of needed that little artistic push to be like, no, the things that you like are fine. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> I was kind of like losing it and I was like losing touch and I'm like starting to become an adult and mm-hmm. you know, I'm starting to like, what am I going to do? Am I still going to focus on this stuff and focus on that? What do I really care about? And then, you know, I, I, picked up some of the back issues of the uh, Morrison Doom Patrol run that I had. And I was like, oh yeah, this is the fucking shit. Um, <laughs> it's uh, for those who haven't watched it. It's it's kind of like, what if uh, the X-Men needed to take Zoloft? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were created like around like the same week, right? I did know that. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of funny because, you know, they're both, uh, like outfit misfit mm-hmm. outcast misfit weirdo superheroes who live in a mansion and are run by like a uh, old like Average telekinetic guy in a, in a wheelchair yeah in a wheelchair yeah. yeah yeah it's very bizarre um titans is a show that you started right i've watched like a season and a half of it uh i think it's one you would absolutely fucking hate i <laughs> i don't it's not good. <laughs> I, yeah. I I keep going back to it. I made it this far by just keep going back to it, trying to convince myself it's going to be better when I revisit it because like, the costumes are mostly decent. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's just like uh, too. I don't know. It's just too really tough good. and edge lordy. Yeah, right? a little bit, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing the like fuck Batman and being like. <laughs> that's enough for me yeah turning it off yeah Uh but then i see pictures of like superboy and i'm like "Uh, superboy and diana troy are on this show you know what i mean yes yes uh yeah costumes look cool diana troy is uh lasso i'm gonna say looks cool too uh see now you're kind of selling me on this (laughs) (laughs) like walking dove are in this thing so um this was stuff that I was expecting. Yeah, right. I uh, I will say that one of the thing that annoyed me most about the first season of Titans was that they decided to withhold their season finale until season two and have that be the uh, the first episode. And, I, and then I want to say I've heard they did the same thing with season two. So that's fucking dumb. Yeah, that doesn't like make any sense to me, right? No, like, no, it's. Other than that, you won't get your finale at all, for sure. <laughs> Even yeah. to, to the season you're watching. Yeah. Uh, you guys have been James, James uh, Gunn has addressed, by the way, like, 
the cancellations on Doom Patrol because I know like every single time like any DC EU or DC entertainment outside yeah. the comic books comes up, um, James Gunn's name has been dragged <laughs> through the mud and I would like us to stop dragging James Gunn's good name through the mud because the guy's just trying to do what's best for us. He let everyone know that the decision to end the series precedes his new regime mm-hmm. over there. He wishes the best for all the people involved in the show. And um, James Gunn also shut fucking neckbeards up with the uh, Cavill is my Clark fucking hashtag this week where he's like, oh, yeah, he well, he just posted a picture of him drinking coffee and it said like getting to work and it was like all the issues of all-star superman and he's oh, just like I did Fuck you yeah. dude like i'm about to do this fucking right you know what i mean <laughs> like uh yeah you know what would be better than quoting all-star superman in a trailer line doing it you know <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah so. i think i hope that we'll get to the uh, superman movie that's you desperately want and I all need, I think. Uh. We all need it. Yes, I think we all need a good Superman movie. There have been three fucking Ant-Man movies since the last Superman movie came out. That is crazy. And one of the times we've seen Superman pop up in between that was getting a jar of piss thrown in Holly Hunter's face. Yeah, like, yeah come on like come on the guy who fucking made the guardians of the fucking galaxy cool and palatable and and like people you fucking care about is about to write a goddamn superman movie mm-hmm. recognize game and how lucky you have it you know indeed indeed uh yeah. other, off, no 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 dream about all-star superman <laughs> the uh, other news is the thunderbolts movie there the rumor is that it's going to be basically Black Widow 2, and we've kind of been suspecting that. It sounds fucking like a lame move. <laughs> there's there's yeah. a few iterations of Thunderbolts, and this reminds me of the dumbest one where they were just a bunch of mercenaries, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of like Florence Pugh is too big for a Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. Yelena Belova isn't a headlining name. Let's yeah. just call it Thunderbolts and make it the Yelena Belova movie, right? That sounds like exactly it. Uh. Yeah. It just bums me out because we knew that's what it's going to be. We've made jokes on the show about how it sounds like this thing should be called Black Widow 2, but Yelena Belova doesn't sound cool enough. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of like tampered with wakanda forever to the point where it's almost like unforgivable if like it doesn't matter right yeah yeah i had heard uh, i'm gonna say uh kugler mentioned that uh uh elaine's character was always in the thing more than this but i don't know i don't know uh yeah it sounds like kugler's like uh the chip in the back of going off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um because again, like Wakanda Forever, kind of a real movie. You know what I mean? Like my it, favorite it, of the phase, I think. I'll oh, know for sure far. once I get to rewatch it here in a week or whatever. Huh? Yeah, kind of my favorite since the last Black Panther movie. You know, like mm-hmm. my favorite MCU movie since the last Black Panther movie. Like I, I might have had more fun watching Endgame or Infinity War in theaters, but when you're trying to like dissect something on like a cinematic level, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. 
ooh, you know, the Black Panther movies really stand out. And it was very jarring whenever they would cut to like Everett Ross jogging through DC, listening to uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. talking about uh, how they're, I don't know, like, foreign I relations. <laughs> I'm just no. I know he was in the yeah. first movie. He's a good actor. Didn't need him in that movie. And again, like if Wakanda doesn't play heavily into Thunderbolts and Thunderbolts just ends up being a spotlight for Florence Pugh to kick and punch stuff, mm-hmm. I'm going to be pretty bummed at the fuck out, right? Yeah, yeah, a bit, a bit. I'm yeah. hoping they'll at least uh, resuscitate Castmaster by giving him a personality. That will and, be the like the the one uh, bit of good out of it if they do that. Yeah, and we'll get a little bit more of Ghost, a character that I really dig. And every they time I cool. see Ghost, have cool powers. That's a good starting point. A hundred percent. Got a good actress behind there. Mm-hmm. You know, looks cool. Has cool powers. Has a cool backstory. Same thing with Taskmaster. Like you know and. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the thing is, like, if you're making this the Florence Pugh movie, like, Sebastian Stan's a real movie star. Like, um, Hot Santa Claus Dad is a movie star, you know? Was it David Harbour, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy was Hellboy, for crying out loud. Um, Never forget. (laughs) He was, he was. He was for a little while, wasn't he? Angela Bassett got nominated for an Oscar. Speaking of Wakanda. That's, that's good news. Would be upset yeah. if she won. I usually had someone else in mind, though, correct? Oh, I had Carrie Coden, the chick from Banshees of Your Sharon. Oh, yeah. Yes, I picked either. Yeah. If they just nominated Angel Bassett's shoulders, I would have gone for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, she was literally carrying that movie on those massive traps for a little while. Um, Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp coming up in a couple weeks, which is exciting. So we can get back to some Marvel content. And uh, this March, we'll be going back to a galaxy far, far away with our good friends, Baby Yoda and Mando, uh, which I'm really excited about. I sound sarcastic talking about that, but I, we I often am... do with Star Wars, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it's rough, you know, yeah. uh, a coworker of mine we uh we buy packs of cards and every day we open up one of you know we buy like those big like boxes and every day we open up one of the packs and we we go through them and one of the boxes that we got was the book of boba fett uh this week and every time we'd open it we'd be so bummed because we bought it when the show was like out we haven't opened it and i'm just like i got major domo (laughs) you know what i mean The scooter gang, yeah. yeah. I have so many of the scooter gang, you know, and like uh, I can't believe I'm living for a moment where I'm like I'm actually excited. I got like a Cad Bane card, you know what <laughs> I mean? Well, yeah. That's a reasonable thing to be excited about. Uh, exactly. Either was in one of the two good episodes that weren't really that sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That were actually just uh, Mando two point five. Yeah. Uh, Mendo, I wish they had a cool like Western. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, no, that, yeah, 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 that's yeah a, exactly. Yeah, Mendo, that would be a ton of fun. Um, I'm Italian, I could write that. Um, 
absolutely give me a guitar um yeah no we'll be talking about a couple other uh films outside of our our regularly scheduled programming in between now and then and if you are curious to find out everything that we're up to and join in on the discussion you can find us on the internet at the mcu beyond infinity podcast facebook group a wonderful place that kira travis and i started to talk anything and everything related to the mcu galaxy far far away michael rooker henry portrait of a serial killer abe ferreira travis and i have been putting up some of the artwork that we've been working on actually travis this is kind of fun we got a little announcement on february 1st uh to be talking about but there'll be more on that later um if you want to reach out to us you can email us at mcu beyond infinity podcast at gmail.com whatever podcast provider you are listening to this on please remember to subscribe or follow however it works over there and if you're capable of doing so you can also leave us a review spotify has a rating system and the five stars would look really nice and i've you know apple podcast you can leave a review that would be great too with that being said travis my name is john i'm curtis and this is the way right that's what they say amanda right this Indeed. is the way all right this is the way <laughs> <laughs>